I'm All Classical Portland's program director, John Pittman, and I recently had the opportunity to speak with one of my musical heroes, Nicholas McKeegan of San Francisco's Philharmonia Baroque Orchestra. It's been a long dream of McGeegan's to mount a production of Le Temple de la Gloire, the Temple of Glory by Rameau. He didn't have to look far to find the score for this particular French opera. He found it in California. Isn't a part of this, the point of this opera that was a collaboration between Rameau and none other than Voltaire as kind of a cautionary tale to King Louis XV? Totally a cautionary tale. He'd just won a battle, not personally, but he was a king, so he took credit for it. Um, and therefore, uh, Your Majesty, uh, you've won a battle, now how do you proceed from there? You've, you've, you're a victorious monarch. Uh, how do you use that victory? Uh, do you kill everybody? Do you kill your enemies? Uh, do you act like uh, Tamburlaine the Great and just have a great assassination fiesta? Do you just have lots and lots and lots of parties and not and or do you think about the good of your country and do you uh, try to rule for the benefit of all? Which and one of the lines at the end is, you know, that you should rule for the benefit of all, which for an 18th century absolute monarch is heresy. The idea that your peasants are equal, as are as important as the Madame and Monsieur le Duc de whatever. Um, or you as the monarch is not something they believed in and it's uh, it's positively American by the end Rameau and Voltaire were using their their platform, their art, as a way to express something to the king artistically that maybe they wouldn't have been wouldn't have felt safe expressing directly verbally. Absolutely. And of course Voltaire made the mistake of then asking the king if he liked it, with the words, is Trajan pleased? Meaning, the king, you are Trajan, did you like it? Um and the king refused to answer. He was not happy at all. Um, yeah, you can say things in music that sometimes you can't say directly in words, at least if you wish to keep your head or stay out of jail. I, I, I draw a parallel to poor old Dmitry Shostakovich and Stalin and this idea of trying to express yourself, but then maybe, you know, the, running the chance of getting into some considerable trouble. Oh, I think so. I mean, I, th I think this opera was quite risky. 
um, there's the one of the operas by Rameau that came after this, Platé, is even more risky, not politically, because uh, it's about a nymph who was so ugly, she actually is played by a tenor. Um, and uh, she ends up trying to marry Jupiter. And this was written for a royal wedding, where the bride was apparently no oil painting. Uh, you'd have thought that would get them into trouble, but it actually was fine, because the thing was that the the uh, the bride was the daughter of the king of Spain, so it's about class, not about looks. And so Platé is, is is a jumped up nymph, and it's the jumped up bit that was bad, not the fact that she was green and looked like a frog. Oh wow. One of the things that I, I glean from the pictures, because I don't, I don't know absolutely everything about the Temple of Glory, except, of course, as you, you described it, um, but there are scenes where there are people very elegantly dressed, but there are clearly also uh, some scenes where there are perhaps, are they peasants or are they uh, farmers of some sort, and they have scenes in this opera as well? Oh yes, you've always got the happy peasant in this, and the peasants are always happy. They always seem to be well-fed and happy, which is, of course, uh, not necessarily the truth. But it's what the uh, it's what the pastoral tradition is about. Um, you know that, that that shepherds and shepherdesses spend their whole time making love, and that the sheep are self-service. Whereas we know that actually, if you're a shepherd or shepherdess, it's very hard work. And actually, about. 10 or 15 years after this opera, there is uh, an opera by Philidor which actually points fun of that, where a bunch of Parisian actresses comes down to the French countryside and actually meets a real shepherdess and says, you know, my hairdresser, the actress says, my hairdresser could make you look more like a real shepherdess. And she says, I am one. And, uh, and then so why aren't you wearing gloves? And so you don't wear gloves if you're trying to deal with sheep. Um, the difference between what the rich thought the poor were actually doing and what they were really doing, which, of course, was getting ready for a revolution. <laughs>
Um, I want to go back to a comment that you touched on early on. You mentioned the manuscript and the University of California. And I think that just that story alone is worth sharing with our listeners because that had to have just been extraordinary to you and your colleagues. Here's the manuscript to the Temple of Glory, and it's found in California. Yeah, there are two versions of this piece. The, uh, the second version, or the diluted version, the one with extra, extra dollops of shepherdess, uh, is published, it exists in Paris, it may even be in print for all I know. But the manuscript of this original version that was done in Versailles, and the Versailles Opera House was not built at this point, it was done in the Royal Stables, it's much more of a one-off show. And there's a copy of uh, Rameau's manuscript there. Uh, Rameau's manuscript does not survive. And it's, it's a unique copy, there is no other. And so uh, it, was, it arrived in a job lot of some kind, bought from a French collection sometime in the 50s or 60s. And Victor Govender, a wonderful graduate student who was, used to sing in our chorus, was studying Rameau and he pointed this piece out to me and said, isn't this amazing that this manuscript is actually here in Berkeley? And uh, we were able then to do some dance suite from it uh, for Harmonia Mundi and then uh, it was my dream from then on to see if we could actually put the thing on stage, which we did at the at Zellerbach Theatre, just about a quarter of a mile from where the manuscript lives. So how many how many years was it between the manuscript being discovered and and the 2017 performance? I would say the manuscript being discovered. The manuscript was always known about, but me actually seeing it was about 91 or 92, uh, up to 2017. So we're talking uh, 25 years or so. And you had a lot of other things going on in your career as a conductor in between. I imagine that from time to time your thoughts drifted back to the Temple of Glory, and when are you going to get it on the stage? Yeah, it's building a constituency. It's building up the blocks. Uh, you have a production team. You have to have sponsors. You have to have somebody at uh, UC Berkeley who's willing to let their theatre be used and to use the resources of the university to put it on. Uh, we also then collaborated with the Centre for Baroque Music at Versailles, who came in quite late, and we sort of beta-tested their printed edition of this. So um, the things all came together slowly, and uh, sometimes we got close to maybe a concert performance or something, but then, you know, 9-11 happened, or there was the crash in 2008, so we lost sponsorship, so we couldn't do it. Um, and eventually everything came together. The, the people in Versailles came quite late, uh, and that was really the linchpin to make sure that everything happened. All right. Dream come true. Dream come true. Dream come true, yes. Well, uh, thank you so much, Nicholas McGeegan, for your time today and sharing the story behind Rameau's The Temple of Glory. Great pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> 